Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Oh! Wonderful shot by Lennox Lewis! A right hand by Holyfield! My Boston Dodgers! Look at this! He's not quite nice and down for the first time in his career! But unfortunately, it'll never happen. Crunch! I think it's going to be over. I have to say there seems an element of genuine hate between these two, Ambrose. For sure. I don't hate the man. Just imagine if you bought a ticket. Stop it, Frank. You can stop it any time. Castillo's in trouble. Leak steps in. Welcome back to the Legendary Nights After Show for episode number three, The Tale of Riddick Bow and Andrew Galotta. Luke joins me as always for this wonderful After Show episode and we love having these off-the-cuff conversations about certain characters in the sport of boxing and this tale, episode three, Bow versus Galotta, certainly provides multiple talking points, multiple tangents, multiple facets about these two individuals as a whole. Luke, Riddy Bo, Andrew Galotta, what was your first impression of going back and reminiscing on what was a crazy year of 1996 for these two fighters? Um, the worst the worst take you want for this show is my favorite episode of Legendary Nights. It's the Legendary Nights episode I reference the most where there's a heavy bag and they just put a piece of duct tape on it and there's a guy illustrating to Galotta don't hit below this and that's always like my first memory when this comes up because that that as a child or a young Lukey was like this is my gold standard of behind the scenes access because that visual it's like there's great moments in in cinema and documentation history like Goodfellas and stuff the zoom in shots to me that's probably my gold standard of visual storytelling in boxing of just like here's a piece of tape you're getting disqualified for hitting below the tape. Don't do it. 
And I remember just seeing that, thinking it was ingenious, and thinking like I was really behind the curtain. So when you ask me my first impression, it is that memory and that level of access. My first memory of this particular fight is, of course, the low shots. Uh, I can't not reminisce on this fight and think about them low shots. But when doing this episode, the big takeaway for me was was realizing a bit more about Andrew Galotta behind the scenes and how there was really preludes to how he was going to act in these fights. Prior to fighting Riddick Bowe, there was the fight where he, he bit the opponent on the uh, on the shoulder and he got away with it and Lou Duva recognised that something wasn't quite right with Andrew Galotta. However, more was to come within those Riddick Bowe fights, of course. But he seemed like a, a, an enigma of a character. And, you know, back then, we didn't really know much about someone like an Andrew Galotta because social media wasn't around to provide us the, the the ins and outs of a fighter like it does today you don't get to see the life of a fighter back then that you did today you got to see a presentation by whichever company was presenting the fight and you get a little bit about Andrew Galotta's background going into these fights but it's not enough really to understand the makeup of a man in Andrew and and, and how really he was a, a slightly misunderstood character at times but also a character that had certain traits about him which really didn't help him in this sport and when I look back on this fight and and the series of fights between them I think to myself like what if what if Andrew Galotta would not have hit below the belt he would have ended Riddick Bowe's career even though he technically did he would have ended Riddick Bowe's career in that first fight because I think he was like the bogeyman for for Riddick Bowe and Bowe at this point of his career were just it was never the same fighter and Johnston highlighted upon this in the episode when he said if you look at the difference between interviews of him in the first Holyfield fight to going into the second Galata fight and he's slurring his words and you know it's it's, it's sad kind of to see but back then you just didn't really understand that a lot of this stuff was going on in the background leading up to fights like this did you? I mean to me I agree with what you're saying but I also feel like there's a part this is going to sound morbid, but it's true that some people just always know how to self-sabotage themselves. And Andrew Golotta to me is the greatest video game boxing character, the greatest if he was not in control of his life, what would have been. But there are serious demons that haunted this guy. I think self-hatred where it was, it seemed as though in these moments where he was destined to become a legend, he couldn't get out of his way, and it almost feels intentional with how this played out. Because it's it was so blatant and apparent, it's hard to believe that it, it wasn't self-sabotage, at least to me. Because I, I know you phrased it as, could he have been Bo, or this would have been the end of Bo. Well, I think regardless, it was the end of Bo. I think the biggest part to me was it was never the start of Galata. It was what's wrong with Galata. It was never let's let's have a year of Andrew Galata, the, the celebrated fighter. It's why did he ruin the moment when he was great? And that's a big question, a big question that I don't think we're ever really going to get a definitive answer to with, with Andrew 
I don't think even if you interviewed him today, he's, 50, he's just turned 56 years old. I posted something out on the podcast social media channels about him being 56 old quite recently, and I just felt like I don't think we'll ever really understand truly like why he was the way he was at this moment in time. Because as a fighter, he was an absolute handful for for anybody. He really was. And uh, I think the, the one fight following the Riddick Bowl fights, which I think ages really well, is for Lennox Lewis, when the way Lennox Lewis deals with Galotta in their fight, I think just shows you how good Lennox Lewis also was, because I don't think he gets as much credit for that particular victory until I did this episode, I did more research, looked into the fights, started watching certain fights, and then going back and looking at that fight following the bow fights, you think to yourself, he was a problem for everybody. As soon as you got to Lennox Lewis, Lennox Lewis handled him. Like, he handled him emphatically, and it was the beginning of the end, essentially, for, for Galotta following the bow fights. He just didn't seem to have that level of confidence in himself, and as you rightly put it, self-hatred towards him, that he was able to get past it and, and become something great. It was like he was he was stuck within his own mind, telling himself, you know, I can't do this, I can't get past this point, and in them fights with Riddick Bow, it's like, He's looking for a way out of a fight that he's winning. But I never understood it. I, I still don't understand it. He was looking for a way out of a fight and two fights that he was absolutely on top of and was on his way to winning both. So what what does that mean for for someone like Andrew Galotta in terms of his legacy? He's known as the foul pole. He's, I think he's known by a lot of people as the guy that hit Riddick Poe in the bollocks and got disqualified twice for. But Poland and Polish fans still seem to revere him so so well, despite the fact that he literally self-destructed in those two fights. Well, I think there's something real working class about, like, a guy that fails but makes it really far, you know, because isn't that, that kind of... But I was going to say, because I, you know, I'm just going to wing it, I'm high off a of coffee... Um, it kind of reminds me of the Iceman Cometh, the play, you know, um, where you see the the play is about alcoholism, essentially. The Iceman, people hype up, the Iceman's coming, the Iceman's coming, et cetera, et cetera. And there's a lot of scenes where no one wants to leave the bar because the bar and alcoholism is where their comfort is and they don't want to go outside. It's like agoraphobia, basically. I'm using a lot of big words, which is awesome, too. Um... Galata didn't want to leave his comfort, right? He didn't want to leave that bar. He didn't want to leave what he knew was comfortable in that moment. Yes, he was looking for a way out, but I also think he didn't want to weigh in. He didn't want to know what it felt like having to fight Bo on fair circumstances is what it felt to me rewatching the fight because I do rewatch these fights. I try my hardest to be a professional analyst. He didn't know want to know what a fair fight felt like, but I do think anti-heroes are real this is around the time of stone cold steve austin coming out a guy telling his boss f you Golada, though not the same there is something very working class about a guy that has ambitions of being a truck driver who's punching guys in the balls who was so close to winning but he just couldn't get out of his way i think to a lot of fight fans this is more relatable than a guy who knocks out 20 different opponents on 20 different days and just says a bunch of things that are seemingly boring and not comprehensible to your mind. 
I think that was what uh, I think people liked about him. That's why I called him an enigma earlier because you only got presented with certain information about Andrew going into these fights and and what was available. And obviously his English was was very limited, so you know you couldn't really understand the expressions of, of how he was really feeling in those interviews and you know there is one infamous interview that he gives and he's just absolutely horrendous and you can go and watch that on on youtube but he, he was just a difficult difficult character in general and i think the part of this whole tale which really sent everything into a, a hype train was of course the the first fight you know the fight that he was essentially winning and threw it away, and it caused the one of the most despicable moments in the sport that we've probably seen, and, and I don't believe we've seen anything as despicable in terms of crowd riots and, and ring riots such as that again. And us telling the story from Lou Duva's perspective really sort of told me things that I didn't know about what was really going on, because from the outset, you, you look at it and you think, wow, look at all those guys in the ring just absolutely going at it. You don't know who's hitting who. You don't know which side is which. You can just see a riot going on in the ring. And then you can see riots going on in the crowd, of course, as well, which was um, you know, really interesting to hear from Jim Lampley's perspective as well when, when he speaks about what was going on in the crowd and how dangerous it was and how his daughter was there as well at the time and how he feared for her because of how bad it was. This is something, you know, that I'd, I'd like to bring into the equation now in, in that conversation of this was one of those moments that I think I couldn't believe as a child, as a, as a 10, 11 year old child at the time, I was like, wow, what is going on? I've never seen anything like this. And, you know, we've not really seen many instance, instances like this since of, of absolutely full on ring riots. And it's, it's just one of those moments in history that will be synonymous with, with these two characters, but when you look back on it yourself, how how can you sort of take yourself back to 1996 and take yourself back to this time? And had you ever really experienced anything like this as a, as a sports fan, not just boxing, but obviously every sport, you, you, I don't think I'd ever seen anything like this at this time. And I was just absolutely gobsmacked by the whole situation. And that's what kind of led to an eventual second fight strangely enough but i want your perspective on it luke for for the people listening for you guys listening like it's really good to hear like how you perceived this moment in time as well yeah i mean um what did i perceive it so this is one of these moments where boxing to me is such a captivating sport because it captures the violence of war but the beauty of fine art and i think that this is a fight that not just does that but it also uh, captures the philosophy of life. So it takes three completely different things that you're not used to seeing and puts them all together. And the way I think, I think we have moments like this, right? George Cambos's Teofimo Lopez was like this. Oh, it's going to go this one way. And then by the end, you're going, oh my God, we've been, we tune in for the chaos. We tune in for the water cooler talk. We tune in to make it feel like we saw something in real time that really mattered for the sport of boxing, but honestly, for our selfish reasons to be like, that was frigging entertaining. I'm glad I didn't hear about it and tuned in. This was one of the first moments in boxing outside of a Tyson fight where I had that, oh my God, I'm glad I saw this in real time. I'm glad I witnessed this. How do I explain this to middle school kids 
at school with me who don't talk to me because I don't know how to verbalize it. That's what this felt like in real time in 96. It was a a crazy, crazy moment. And now I've watched it back multiple times in preparation for the main Legendary Nights episode. You can just see the absolute chaos that's going on and you can you can interpret it differently now as an adult than probably what you did as a child. So for anybody over the age of 35 that listens to this show, you guys would probably feel either like myself or Lukey in the instance of when you first saw it back in 96. But now when you watch it as an adult, it's, it feels like a totally different story. You see uh, you're obviously the security guard of Riddick Bob, Jason Harris going over and clobbering Galotta with a, with a walkie-talkie on the head. He cuts Galotta's head, which requires... We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Loads of stitches, and then you see all the other fights, little mini fights within fights going on inside the ring. And then if you, you watch back and you listen to the the commentary, obviously you've got Jim Lampley screaming, Lou Duva's down, Lou Duva's might be dead. And it's like, wow, you know, it's... You, all, all you can hear as a 10, 11, 12, 13-year-old child, however you, old he was at that time, you hear that the trainer of Andrew Galotta potentially is, is dead in the ring, getting stomped on at the same time. It's, it's a crazy story. And when we put the quotes from Lou Duver into the episode, it was really good to, to sort of hear it from his perspective of how that really went down at the time and, and what really happened and obviously how he was getting stretched up the steps and someone took the ring off his finger and... You know, just all the chaos that surrounded that first fight was was unbelievable. But of course, the powers that be wanted to see it again. Wanted to see this again because despite what happened, despite there being flaws in the security in the arena at the time, the people within power knew that a rematch between these two fighters would bring probable carnage, but it would also bring multiple stacks of cash, which is... The predominant reason why, of course, this fight was going to happen again. Forget the fact that Bo was ready to go and Galotta was on the verge of winning the fight. The cash that probably comes with the controversy was what was paramount in this. And I know Eric Bischoff, he says this in particular, controversy creates cash. And that is exactly what was going on here in this particular instance where 
they decided to put this fight on again in December of 96 because they knew for a fact if it didn't create chaos, it was certainly going to create the cash, weren't it? For sure. Controversy sells. And I was just thinking about this too. Riddick Bowe, uh, for a fighter that had a video game but is largely forgotten in the modern era, uh, Fan Man and the Galata. That is like a hell of a... like. It, there was something about Bo that attracted these really weird... Like, he almost... If Tyson didn't do the ear bite, which is a big what if, Bo would be the guy that had all the weird things happen. It's just biting someone's ear overshadowed it. I guess you could say Holyfield is right there with him. Ear biting fan man. What's more, uh, Galata. But it, it was a strange era. And I think that boxing is is capitalism unregulated, right? People always want free market capitalism. Well, that's called boxing. And when you see something controversial, what is in capitalism, what does controversy do? It sells. So a fight like this that ended controversy where you're seeing people brawl and there's, there's, oh my God, what is it? What do people want to do? Let me stare. People's lives are being ruined. Let me watch. Living embodiment, Grand Theft Auto. Let me sit and stare. It's not my life, but I'd love to watch someone else in peril. That's a, a level of voyeurism as consumers that television has created. So naturally, that's going to happen. But, you know, um, I mean, we see it to this day. I think if you would have had camera phones back in 1996 and social media back in 96, you would have absolutely seen this everywhere. It would have been viral. It would have made more than just the news that it made at the time. It would have made even greater news because of the outlets that, that you know, we have now in, in this modern era. And I know we refer to the modern era a lot when we do these after shows, but it's, it's the differences between back then and now is, is, is so large in terms of, 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 accessibility to to fights behind the scenes fighters everything that we've talked about for for weeks on end and it's like you think of something like this in a moment like this like the only way to to watch a moment like this at that time was either you watched it live you watched the replay or you seen a news report on it and if none of that was really within your reach then you'd only have to hear it like you say either at school or the water cooler talk or, or whatever it was and it's it, it kind of creates that interest and it creates that controversy that then sells for a second fight between the two. And the thing that I haven't really touched upon at all yet is is the decline of Riddick Bowe at this point of his career. I think one of the biggest things to take away as well from this two fights between the two of them is, is how quickly Riddick Bowe was declining. After the third Holyfield fight, that was really where I think many boxing experts started to see Riddick Bowe getting old before his time as a fighter, but it was the Galata fights indeed that of course finished his career at the top level in boxing completely off. And it's the the, the decline in the fights for me in particular that, that is quite compelling to watch. You know, you see moments in the first and second fights of the old Riddick Bowe and you think to yourself, well, this is Riddick Bowe. He's going to come back. He's going to be able to do something. And I think you just start to see him slowly wear down slow his punch resistance starts to go his reflexes are starting to go everything that we saw of him in the earlier 90s is now just starting to erode really quickly and i know that's one thing johnston highlighted at the end of the tale was that how riddick ball was a fighter who got old before his time it was a really sad state of affairs to see someone like that who he hadn't had them big big 
big mega mega fights yes he'd fought Holyfield of course and we did a legendary night on that a couple of seasons ago but it was the Lewis fight we wanted it's the Tyson fights we wanted and we we never got that but look at what he was like at that moment 96 look at the two fights and the way he breaks down physically and mentally if he would have got in with Lewis or Tyson at that point in time you would have had to have thought that he would have been decimated by the pair of them yeah I mean I, correct me if I'm wrong. I did go back to this legendary nights and these video programs, but this is like my holy grail of like consuming pre-fight content because it was like any pre-fight content was like gold. You know, you had to buy VHSs sometimes just to get them or rent them at Blockbuster Video or Hollywood Video, get these video packages. So I remember watching these videos over and over. Didn't Riddick Bo have like a kitchen in his bathroom for one of these pre-fights? I could be remembering it wrong, but there was like a, a segment in one of these videos where it was like Bo was talking about how much he loved to eat. And it was like there was some weird kitchen thing that I remember standing out. And it was just the reason I bring that up is there was a lack of discipline with Bo. And it felt as though Bo was a guy who came from sheer poverty. A lot came to him and he wanted to live this overly extravagant life and he didn't understand about like mutual funds or saving and investing and it was a very sad boxing story of falling into riches just kind of overeating over over lifing life addict doing too much life stuff and then a decline where he's basically forgotten and thrown away and disregarded all within what would you say a span of five years yeah, absolutely. And and then you think about the stuff that he does preceding that, uh, following following the, 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 the fights and the retirement and then the supposed return to boxing and a dabble at kickboxing and then, of course, the kidnapping and, yeah, everything else that then follows Riddy Bow, then he's just, uh, it's horrendous. It's a horrendous part of his life. Like, you look at Riddick today and you see a man who's had too much taken from him as opposed to him being able to take enough from this sport. And I did say that at the end of the episode. I remember saying, Riddick Bowles, one of those fighters, like, he give us everything. I believe he gave us everything at that moment in time, but I don't think boxing give him everything. He wasn't one of those fighters that was able to take, you know, the the, the, the biggest things out of this sport. Yeah, I know he was an undisputed champion. I know he, he, he won titles. I know he had big fights. He didn't always have the biggest fights, of course, with like the ty- likes of Tyson and Lewis, and those were the ones that eluded him throughout of his his career. And he was supposed to fight Lewis following the first Galata fight. That was something that I didn't actually know until doing the research for the episode that it was all going to be penciled in for him to fight Lennox Lewis once he got past Galata in the first fight. And obviously, history tells us something completely different now he had the opportunity to fight Lennox Lewis in in the early 90s and he did that whole thing where he throws the replica WBC belt into the bin vacates it Lewis becomes champion they never meet other than obviously their Olympic fight and then that's part of history which we'll we'll never really know how good was Riddick Bowe well we know he was a very good fighter when he was disciplined because that's one of the biggest things he had an issue with like you rightly pointed out that was the part of Riddick Bowe that really surmised the beginning of the end of his career. And I think that's why he got old before his time. And the modern day comparison from a British perspective, the first fighter I think of, Luke, when I think of someone like that is, is Ricky Hatton. 
the way Ricky Hatton used to balloon up in weight in between his fights, his discipline wasn't on point and he got away with it for so long and then ultimately it came back to haunt him in his later career and you think about the fights with Mayweather and Pacquiao and even Juan Lascano and Paulie Malinagi in between the Mayweather and Pacquiao fights and it's like you just knew at that point like the best part of him had, had been taken away his best night was Costa Zoo 2005 and I feel like Riddick Bowe his best nights were of course against Holyfield when he when he beat him but then following that really it was like he was just on this slow steady decline his discipline wasn't there the momentum of him as a fighter just just wasn't there anymore so when you look at stories like that it, it kind of makes me feel a little sad that you know he's he's become what he's become and he's a complete shell of his former self sometimes he has to be in a wheelchair I've seen him being pushed around now and it's it's like boxing took a massive chunk of him and his soul and he just didn't get everything back from the sport that he probably should have done. Well, and that's a great comparison of Ricky Hatton. I was thinking about that because you think of Ricky Hatton's career, he lost to a guy, I think his name was Shevin Danko, but I can't for the life of me remember his exact name. He's getting stopped with a body shot. And I remember being in Brooklyn and Paulie was fighting. He had just fought in Pablo Cesar Cano. I do one of my first one-on-one boxing interviews. I get to do a one-on-one with him and he's, he's, saying I'm going to be a keen observer of Ricky Hatton and we all know wink wink nudge nudge I want that fight and then Hatton loses to a body shot which basically felt like minor details he didn't take the sport serious enough for a long enough time that his body couldn't withstand even though he had overtrained Riddick Bowe to me I think is somewhat and by the way Riddick Bowe the Lennox Lewis amateur fight people act like Lennox Lewis just kicked his butt it's a way closer fight than people ever give it credit. But I think that what the sad part about the Riddick Bow is one of the greatest heavyweights, very small window, and people point out his worst moments better than bigger than his best moments because this is what this sport is. If it's a sum of all the parts and you're summarized based on an overall tone and impression that people have on you, and no one embodies that probably better than someone like Riddick Bow. So let's talk about the legacy of this tale, the legacy of these two fights then, Lukey, and, and the impact that it's, that it's left on this sport. And before doing this episode, it's not something I gen- genuinely think about on a, on a regular basis. Like, I wouldn't say this was a forgotten fight or fights for me. It was, it was just a moment that, you know, doesn't sit in the forefront of my mind. When I, when I think of certain moments in the sport, I think of the the natural go-to moments, your Corrales, your Castillos, your Wards and your Gattis. And, you know, you, th- you think of them moments in, in this sport. But having started this podcast up a few years ago and having going into the depths of different literature and newspaper articles and perceptions of, of the time on different fights and fighters, it's quite it's quite clear to see for me, like, this is something that we wanted to do because uh, I felt like it was something we needed to bring back to the forefront. I think it was a tale that needed to be told and the the detail behind the tale was what was important about it for me, being able to highlight what Andrew Galotta's life was like, you know, how the sort of warning signs were there going into the Riddick Bow fights and then of course also looking at Riddick Bow's lack of discipline around this time and how he got old before his time in that ring and how his glory moments and his glory days seemed to completely erode very quickly in a short space of time and then subsequently how it's led down a path which didn't take him to a very very good place at a certain time of his life so 
I think the 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 implications and the shock waves of these two fights between the two of them, I genuinely think like even though Galotta goes on and has fights, of course, with with Lewis and Tyson, and you know he has a few fights following the uh, the Biddy Bow tail, you think to yourself like these these two fights, these moments in their careers, it was like effectively for me, it just felt like the 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 ended both each other's careers for for a different reason or another whether it was Galotta's self-destruction moments of not being able to finish a fight and get past his own demons or whether it be Riddick Bowe just completely eroding breaking down and looking like a shell of his former self the guy that beat Holyfield a few years earlier so when I look at this tale now I go back and I think to myself I think this is where effectively both of their careers ended I mean, it was two troubled souls meeting in the ring, and we didn't understand at the time that it was the decline of both of them. Because this is, at least for Galata, it's the greatest moment of his career, and this is probably the last memorable moment of Bo's professional career that's positive. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how get 30, how get 20, 20, 20, get 20, 20, get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. So what would you summarize this tale as then? Like, for me, I'm going to give my sort of summarization on what I think this is. Like, I look at this tale and I look at two characters that have been brought into this sport that are... And I know we've had this conversation, funnily enough, last season on one of the after shows, how boxing attracts strange individuals and how it draws in those strange individuals to the sport. And I think Riddick Bow and Andrew Galotta are certainly in that bracket of of strange and strangely charismatic and strangely, you know, these enigma style individuals that have brought their own stamp to this sport in more than one way and I look at back at this fight and and the second fight of course and the tale as a whole and I think to myself wow this is just one of those moments that I think it feels a little bit like a Shakespearean play at times uh, and, and, and I know that might be a crazy comparison to make but I genuinely feel it's like you couldn't have wrote this any better for these two individuals that are absolute 
characters from different parts of the world having different crazy moments throughout their own lives, putting them in the ring together and creating sheer chaos. It's like it's like a Shakespearean play, and that's how I see it. Like the tale of Riddick Bow and Andrew Colotta is like something that Shakespeare written himself. Yeah, hey, you kind of stole my thunder. I was going to say it's a tragedy, right? You got Galata, a deeply troubled man who seemingly was trying to find peace. It wasn't even like he was trying to find a world championship. He was trying to find something that would quiet whatever bothered him. And I think what makes him a folk hero to many is he should have achieved it and he still couldn't come to peace with what most people define their life with, which is a big, a big win in boxing, right? Beating a superstar... For some reason, those demons couldn't go off of his back despite having the performance of his life. Riddick Bowe is a, a very common story, maybe not in pro athletes, but in people's families. How many people have addictions and vices and are unable to stay focused but have a ton of talent? I think that it's more often we hear stories of uncles who were great basketball players but fell victim to alcoholism. Riddick Bowe is a common story that's not very often told. It's a sad story. I think what this story says to me is it's two tragic figures that met each other at a time when they were both starting to decline and no one knew that it was a tragic story until hindsight. Absolutely. I think you hit the nail on the head and I think that that really sort of brings an end to our thought and feeling on the tale of Bo versus Galotta and it's a good time to, of course, give thanks to everybody that will have listened to the episode and those that have talked about this particular episode and those that comment on what we've been doing for this season and, and the fights that we've delivered so far in terms of the stories that surround them. But we're not even halfway through this particular season yet and we actually have some really good stories to present to everybody for the remaining seven episodes so if you think these first three episodes have brought you stories that you probably didn't know or haven't heard before or haven't heard them from a different perspective then you've got another seven episodes of completely contrasting conversations and completely contrasting stories over different decades of this sport that I'm really excited to be bringing to everybody and of course looking forward to having you on the after show Lukey and bringing your perspective and your own memories and your your sort of take of, of how you see certain things within fighters and fights. And there's some things that I think will be really surprising to a lot of people that listen to this show, like when, when we deliver the rest of this season. So if you haven't already subscribed to the Legendary Nights podcast, you can do so by checking us out on all the available platforms, of course. But, Luke, where can everybody find you? Of course, people used to listen to you at ITR Boxing. That is no longer the case. You are on your own individual YouTube channel on your own platform these days. Yeah, I got my own channel, uh, Lukey Boxing, on YouTube. And uh, I've got my substack, lukeyboxing.substack.com. And I contribute to ProBox TV, which is a boxing network. Um or you can just follow me on Twitter. Really, I do a lot of different things, and I'm grateful for anyone that just wants to be a part of any of my journeys in boxing, pick and choose what I do, or just tune in here. I'm just as grateful, um, and I'm going to enjoy just giving my half-baked research and opinions uh, every single week we do this. No, it's a pleasure as always, Luke. Thank you so much for coming on. 
As always, if you have enjoyed it, please let us know on social media at Legend Night Pod on Twitter, or you can find us on Facebook at the BTR Boxing Podcast Network. If you're on Spotify, leave a comment below. If you're listening on the YouTube channel, leave a comment below. Just let us know what your thoughts and feelings are and what your assessment is on this particular tale of Riddick Bow and Andrew Galotta. But that is it for this episode and this after show on the tale of Riddick Bow versus Andrew Galotta. We will see you next time. But unfortunately, it'll never happen. Crunch! Punches! And punches! And it's over! I think it's gonna be over. to say there seems an element of genuine hate between these two Ambrose. For sure. I don't hate the man. Just imagine if you bought a ticket. Stop it, Greg. You can stop it any time. Castillo's in trouble. Weak steps in and the fight is over. Oh! Podcast Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.